we are back with more tech scaling stories. Some scary, some inspiring. Today, my guest is Andy Fletcher, founder of Convertry.com. Andy, welcome. Hey, Jason. Great to be here. Thanks. You and I have talked a little bit in the past about uh, some marketing and scaling questions and that, and I thought, hey, you should be on and uh, share some of your story because you are getting there and you are discovering a lot of the challenges that uh, everyone watching is going to be running into pretty quick. So uh, tell us a little bit about what the big problem was in scaling that you discovered. So like the... Uh, just just to kind of like frame this, uh, Convertory is currently at about half a million ARR. We've converted a lot of that from like in our early days, we were very uh, sort of internet marketing focused rather than digital marketing focused, I refer to it as. So uh, like our churn rate was a lot higher than it is now. Uh, there's a lot more people like, you know, buying us to use us than there were before. So the stick rates last longer, the churn rates lower, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. Um, but the like the, the key thing I've got experience of is getting affiliates behind you to put on big, big launch marketing events to make, make a big difference in the early days. I would say like it's not not all of our revenue now, but probably way more than half, probably more than three quarters of, of my income comes from affiliate driven sales. Hmm. And a large number of those happen in these very, very specific launch windows, which right. uh, again, just to sort of like frame it for people listening that don't necessarily know the details. In 2016, we launched uh, in the July. So in the July, uh, last five days of July, we sold $750,000 worth of product. And by the end of the year, we'd only just about sold a million. Mm -hmm. So it, just to give people an idea of just how ridiculous the spikes are when you, when you take this approach, you're getting, you're getting paid for like six months work in five days. Um, right. So they really have to work. So, I mean, you're, uh, we've had some back and forth discussions in, in public, <laughs> in business groups and SaaS groups or that. You're pretty astute as a business person. You caught something this morning uh, that I got sucked into the question of where you pointed out, no, this is not the same thing as that. This is this product and this is the marketplace, right? Uh, so that was, that was pretty cool. So I think people should listen to you. <laughs> that's, that's well, I, clearly, I think people should listen point. to me. So I'm, I'm yeah. all in support of this message. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so you developed a core competency around managing launches and getting affiliates in that. Um, very quickly, you discovered that you were kind of too dependent on that model, right? For revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you discovered that the market that you were selling to, that, that online marketing crowd, were a lot more finicky, more likely to churn, right? And, uh, and so you wanted a different kind of customer. Yeah, absolutely. Although I'd say like we're still like so many of those came from the launches. It's just a, a very different focus on like how we structured everything. Mm -hmm. In the early days, we were very nervous about like every, you know, every person who had paid us that initial charter lifetime license was like treated like gold dust. And after a while, it was like, you know, th th this isn't sustainable. Like we have to build these recurring plans out. Mm. And so then there is a symptom like, when we offer a load more, a load more value on those plans people did transfer across mm -hmm. uh, in quite high numbers and yeah not everyone did but the guys that didn't just aren't worth as much so right right now you have something going on where your customers are pretty happy with with your, <laughs> your product right so they go sing your praises unasked for in uh in in threads where people are asking for uh, opinions and suggestions absolutely um we've 
uh, a good 12 months ago now, I read a, a piece by Jason Lemkin of Sasta.com yeah. where he was like, I mean, he, I, it took me ages, I'm a bit slow. Um, it took me ages to pick up on this theme when he answers posts on Quora. One of the key focuses he has is measure your MPS, measure your MPS, which is net promoter score. So that's mm-hmm. when you ask people, how likely are you refer to refer this product, service, whatever, to a friend or colleague? And then naught to 10, and then nines and tens are promoters, sevens and eights are passive, and everyone else is a detractor. And we take take the percentage of promoters, percentage of detractors, one away from the other, and that's your NPS score. So you've got from minus 100 for like absolutely no one ever seems to want to refer you ever, zero at about like, that's kind of like the, the low end benchmark for possible, mm-hmm. up to 100%, like every single person you've ever interacted with would would refer you. And sort of on a sliding scale, 50 plus is considered like amazing and 70 plus is considered world-class. And we consistently sit in like 70 to 75 bracket. Nice. Just by, nice. Like we got super obsessed with this idea of like, how do we make our customers love us? How do we provide a service that they love? How do we, how do we build an experience around the product? Mm. So we, we started doing like I do sort of at least once a month, sometimes a couple of times a month, I just get on a webinar and I present a topic to start with. So it's like 15, 20 minutes, but then the bulk of like the, it's often like goes to 90 minutes or two hours. I'm just answering people's questions. Like literally anyone can show up and they're just like, what's happening with this feature? Or I'd like to know more about your plans for that. Or what do you think about this style of market? Anything like that. And I j- just engaging with our customers. Uh, my business partner, Neil runs two, two mailing lists. We basically, we split it on day one. So I'm like a tip, typical internet marketer where you have all of the emails all on one list. And if you want to hear about updates, you have to get the affiliate promotions. We split it on day one. We run, we call it the propaganda list and the happiness list. And uh, it's very, very clear which email you're getting. And if you, if you don't want to be marketed to, just click unsubscribe. And rather than that having a negative effect and costing us money, we got better engagement from doing that. And again, it's, it's all these little things that, we, that go towards driving that NPS score super high. And the end result of that is whenever a thread on Facebook comes up, like what funnel builder would you recommend? There is just an army of people talking about Convertry, and there's you never see an affiliate link on there. Like there's always like I'm not I'm not going to bash our competitors, but there's one competitor in particular who you always see a load of affiliate links. It's like oh you should try such and such a product. It's amazing affiliate link. Whereas you you, you hardly ever see that from Convertry customers. They just love it. That is important. I've been following Jason Lemkin on Quora for at least three years. That guy puts out great content and anybody in the industry should be following him somehow. Uh, he, he's amazing. Um, like he, he, he publishes everything he publishes on Quora and all of the articles on sasa.com. They've got this great feed thing going now. So literally every morning, it's one of the first things I do before I get out of bed is on my iPad. Right. Um, I read what, what are the latest things from the guy who's just so much smarter than me. He was uh, just on the This Week in Startups podcast um, with the at Jason on Twitter, <laughs> which I'm very <laughs> jealous of. Uh, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. It's like Candelus or something like that. But he's a huge um, vector or uh, venture capitalist uh, and you know friends with Elon Musk and that kind of thing. So to get on that show, you got to be pretty good. Awesome. So, talking about NPS. It sounds like that is part of the secret to your success. Now, I see a lot of software founders wanting to just make money, and that upsets me. Money should be a byproduct, in my opinion. You should be out to create a great product that is well-supported and well-loved by, by the market. 
And that seems to be what you're doing. Uh, we talked a little bit, you were mentioning about the splitting of the lists into a happy list and a, and a propaganda list and that. What else have you done? Also listening, you've got your finger on the pulse, right? What's important to listen to or look at every day? Customer feedback or market feedback. Is there anything else that jumps to mind? Yeah, absolutely. One, one of the, the, the things we're so pleased with is we've got this uh, hyperactive Facebook group. So yeah. anyone who buys Convertory is encouraged to come and join us. And then literally every day, people post their questions in there. They talk about the product. And the, like the, the cool, probably one of the coolest moments of running Convertory for me was when I suddenly realized we'd hit a tipping point mm. where for months and months and months, my business partner Neil and I had been in that Facebook group answering all the questions. And I suddenly realized that the group was getting to the questions faster than I was. We had this like core group of evangelists and just power users who like we weren't paying them. They were getting nothing from it whatsoever other than the fact they just loved the community and they loved kind of the effort we put in and they were basically racing each other to be the person to answer <laughs> like different people's questions. And you know, I, I still regularly answer stuff in there because I want to keep that going, but I'm pretty sure I could ignore that group for like a month and it would be in the same state when I came back. And that kind of engagement, that kind of like other human beings going out of their way to be part of your, your ecosystem is just super powerful. Right. I, and I think that is a product of you doing the right things for long enough, which most people are not willing to do. Absolutely. Uh, tell and, me and about the level of commitment that you've had to have to, to get to this point. Uh, I shouldn't like, I'm a complete workaholic. Um, <laughs> I, I work far too long and particularly on things like uh, making sure the Facebook group is up to date and engaging with people like that. It's, it's a big deal to us. It really matters. My business partner, Neil is also in there all the time. We try, we try and keep on top of those answers and we do, although we have a support team when you go through the support desk and often we do like when people have like specific account related problems or it's like, you know, I have this specific problem with this page there, we send them to the email support channel, but generally we try and solve as much as we can personally in the group. Because it's just such amazing PR. Like people, people really do love us for being us because of what we do. Right. So tell us about the big problem that Convertry helps solve. What did so, you identify? Uh, the the biggest one is page speed. Um, mm. Where okay. there's all kinds of other parts to it. Like we've got a fantastic freeform page builder, so it lets you build whatever the hell you want. You're not restricted to the sort of blocky rows and columns thing that a lot of editors have going on. We're, we're definitely more stable than just about anyone else out there. Mm -hmm. We've had lots of people run split tests on us recently, like uptime for us versus mm -hmm. other people. And uh, they, they never, I'm sure we must have had some downtime, but not a single one of these splits has ever shown us having a minute's downtime. We're just, our platform is just that much more stable. Uh, but the, the number one reason people use us is the page speed. From, from day one, we identified this as a, as a thing that was super important to the market. Uh, it actually came from a Neil Patel quote where it mm -hmm. said, um, uh, if your website takes longer than three seconds to load, you lose 40% of your traffic. And I was a bit like, mm, one, it's a round number. And they're, they're always suspect, like, right, you always like, was that four people out of 10? Or was this actually a meaningful sample size? Mm -hmm. But because it was Neil Patel, like I thought, oh, this, this, this is worth investigating. So I looked up the studies that were done and it's totally legit. Like you genuinely do lose 40% of your traffic if it takes longer than three seconds. And I, I think it's something silly, like 15, 20% a, a second. It's, it's insane. So we, we got super obsessive about this to make sure our pages load 
just faster than anything else out there. Hmm. So you, you pretty much cannot beat convection for page load times. Right. And as the name <laughs> digs into, this is part of the beginning of the conversion process. Because if your traffic can't see what you've got, then, uh, then you're throwing that away. I imagine that this army of raving fans that you've got really drives the cost of customer acquisition down for you. Absolutely. In, in fact, uh, <laughs> I was going to explain, like I, you noted that on Facebook earlier, and I was going to explain then, but it's a good time to paint the picture. So we're, we're great at launches and affiliates, and apparently pretty good at making people like us. But we're terrible at paid traffic at this point. So <laughs> but for a long time, like we didn't really have like a paid cost of customer acquisition. Like we were trying a load of stuff, couldn't really make it work. That's, that is starting to work now, but for a good, good six month period, some towards the beginning of the year, literally every day new people showed up, like none of our paid channels were working, but every single day people just show up, sign up for an account, take a trial. We don't know who they are. They've just been referred by someone, not even an affiliate. And so um, our pay, basically our paid cost of customer acquisition was infinite. Because hmm. we, we just couldn't make it work, but we had all these people showing up and just being like, "Oh, I heard convert was amazing," um, which which was great for us. That really got us through like a, a tough period while we were starting to get that paid stuff dialed in. All right. One of the things that I really like about you, Andy, is that you are really honest about your business and your situation. How important do you feel? And I'm like, I mean the truth, not honesty and like wrong, but the truth, right? About what's going on in terms of willingness to investigate or look at the real numbers, like you were saying about the Neil Patel quote, and the truth about what's going on and admit, okay, we suck at paid traffic right now, which most people would think was pretty important. And in fact, maybe are even relying on that, right? To grow their business. How important do you feel that that? desire to find out the truth and, and look at dead in the eye, right? Has been to your success. How important do you uh, think that's been? I've actually been asked this before. And I think mm. it's a super hard question to ask because my, my answer is it's basically how I define myself. Mm -hmm. It's my reality. Like I'm, I, there are things in this world where the, the numbers have to matter. Like planes don't fly on faith. That right. just doesn't work. Like you want an engineer to have designed that stuff. But at the other end, like particularly in sales and marketing and all of that stuff, numbers and facts don't matter, but they really matter to me. Like, my, so I have this deeply held belief that, you know, that ability to face the truth and go after the hard answers is what makes me successful. Hmm. There's a lot of evidence out there to suggest that isn't true. <laughs> and I'd, get, I'd get on a lot easier if I was willing to just like <laughs> fudge the numbers sometimes. Hmm. Tell us a story about growing Convertry and the user base where there was some kind of challenge and you've overcome it. Uh, I would say the biggest challenge was just getting it off the ground to start with. Uh, get, getting from, it's, and, you know, Jason Lemkin writes this a lot, like a lot of the, like, you, you'll read this in so many places that sort of after a million in ARR, it's a playbook. Like this is well understood now. Hmm. This is, you've, You've got some stuff working. You want to be in these channels. You want, you know, depending on your price point, you want to be doing these things. But getting to that first million in ARR, everyone seems to do it differently, and there's just a lot of there's a lot more potential to. Like I think the industry term is growth hack it. Um, in sort of like the internet marketing industry, we call them launches. That's that's the thing. But finding ways to get things going, uh, and certainly we like that number one challenge was get a product built, get it out there, 
and get to a critical mass of monthly subscribers. So it was self-sustaining as we, other than like, I stuck a bunch of my own money in to get it going. But mm. beyond that, you know, we're not really, we don't really want to take on investment. We're not looking for any of that stuff. Um, you know, we are bootstrapped. We see no reason not to be. We love the idea of actually being profitable, which is quite rare in SaaS. Um, but to, to make all that come true, we had to go from zero to a whole bunch of paying customers quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, we use this idea of a product, you know, the sort of close to Jeff Walker style product launch formula with just a load of affiliates behind it, which is that's, as, as we've touched on before in the call, that, that's the one thing I'm good at. That, that's what's like paid my bills for the last decade um, and is the reason I have the company I have. Right. Yeah. And I want to remind our listeners and viewers that you did make three quarters of a million dollars in revenue in five days <laughs> with, that, with that model. That's a pretty good kickstart, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, th- I think in our, certainly in our little like ecosystem, that was the second biggest launch of 2016 and 2016 was pretty, pretty big. So like, as I say, this, this is one of the few things I actually know something about. Um, Sorry, go on, you were going to... Yeah, tell us a little bit about what happened right in the moments after you brought in that revenue, because there's a temptation in the world to think that money solves all your problems, and suddenly here, what I call condor poop, plop, this giant amount of money arrives. Now, what do you do with it, right? Uh, so what was your thinking, if you, if you recall? Okay, I, I'm going to give you two answers, because I want to tell the funny story first, and sure. then we'll do something serious. So uh, what happened in the exact moments after that money came in was PayPal called me up and were like, we've throw, frozen all but $8,000 of your money. You'll get it back when we decide to give it to you. Click. So we went from like after, after all was said and done, like we um, you know, paid all the money to the affiliates that I got out as instant commission, loads of stuff. We had about, I want to say about 300K like sitting in the PayPal account. Mm-hmm. And we went from having about 300K to having about $8,000 because they just put a massive hold on the whole thing. And we, we went from being just like super happy and excited and, oh my God, we can actually start investing and doing all these cool, cool things, having been running on fumes for a while in the run up to the launch mm-hmm. to, okay, so we're going to stick to this like not having much money thing. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty painful. Uh, but it did, did work itself out. Like 30 days later, I got our account assigned to a different risk manager who took one look at it and was like, I don't understand why we have your money. Um, yeah. we, we're keeping 15 grand of it to de-risk it, but here's the money. And that, that was the point we were able to go from mm. like zero to uh, now we, have some, we both have some cash and we have good, good monthly income. Um, and your payments across different processors and merchant accounts people if you're gonna and and call ahead (laughs) tell your your payment processors ahead of time hey i'm gonna be doing this and even then it won't necessarily help because so we split some of it went through stripe Mm. and uh they they just banned us five five days after the launch like we don't put much through them um but there was a good like three grand's worth of monthly on them and they just called us up and were like you're, you're high risk we won't work with you anymore in fact it was an email it wasn't even a call um your account will be closed in five days wow and i was like what what, what did i do could could you tell me could you no nothing um <laughs> uh, so uh, don't, don't believe the stories about how like stripe stripe has no risk and paypal super risky it's mm-hmm. so not freaking true right um, and there are other alternatives out there well. They really are. And, you know, that, that's not to say like PayPal good and Stripe bad, mm-hmm. just to support the point of split it across stuff where you can, because you never know who's going to decide against you. Yeah. So I assume that was the sort of funny 
falling yeah, down yeah, clown, <laughs> limp it, to his it, dance. It's, it's funny now. Now, yeah. now I tell the yeah, story. The time. Um, yeah, but more, more seriously, like a month later, we, we actually got this money. And that was the point where we were like, okay, so our, our monthly dev spend, our monthly like sort of outgoings are kind of balanced with the monthly recurring. And we've got this big war chest now. Like, how are we gonna how are we gonna invest it? How are we gonna drive growth up? And and also at that point, we we spent quite a lot of money on additional developers for improving the product mm. because again, it was it was a very solid first release. Like we, we possibly over-engineered it quite a lot, certainly compared to the traditional launch space. But compared to where we wanted to be for monthly recurring stuff, we were still a long way off. Um, Tell us the about time, the priorities that you were having at the time. What stood out to you as important then? And maybe in hindsight now, you would go back and go, eh, that wasn't as important. And I kind of missed out on this part that maybe I should have paid more attention to. Yeah. So I would say um, something we, we got at the time was the, the need to produce. Uh, at the time when we launched, we had two, a 297 one-time license for what became the standard package. And then the upsell was $37 a month for the template club. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty, pretty standard internet marketing industry offer. Like affiliates get it, customers get it, uh, which makes it a lot easier to sell. But we knew very quickly, like people aren't going to stick on a template club that long. It's not that appealing. So we knew we had to drive really hard and fast to uh, at least some kind of pro plan. And then we also quite quickly backed into having an agency tier as well. So we had, we had places for people to go to move them off quite high churn template club only plans onto in the end we grandfather people into the pro plan if they were on the template club uh, to say thanks for sticking with us uh, but we had we had other things to sell them and things they were just that much more like to stick with that was the that was the like thing that we sort of we we got thankfully hmm. the thing that uh, i didn't really get well enough was just kind of knowing just all of your numbers uh, I mean, the, the MPS came, thing came later, but I would say even more fundamentally than that, I didn't have good metrics on like how many people were signing up every day, how many people converted to a trial, how many people took their first month, how many, like what the churn after every month was, what just all these micro steps in the funnel that like your life is so much easier once you have a reproducible way of like analyzing it because right. then you, you're measuring it and you just almost intrinsically make stuff go up when you know you've got to look at numbers every day, like your brain just doesn't want to see them go down or stay the same. Mm. It wants to see them go up. But if, if you're not tracking it, you just don't think about it. And it's super, it's super easy, I think, to get into that mindset of, we'll make the product better. We'll make the product better. Like everything, everything will be much better when we make the product better. And there's just so many other factors to it. Right, yeah, you really need to know the score. <laughs> and a dashboard will, will help you out with that. Did you develop your own dashboard or did you buy one? Uh, we, we developed our own. Like, so, so I'm a, I've got a computer science degree, like the, mm -hmm. the team's very dev heavy. We've, we've got a lot of capabilities there. So, but buying sort of expensive and limited off the shelf tools isn't worth much to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I still do most of the analysis in an Excel spreadsheet because I can. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to recommend that to other people necessarily, but certainly for me, that works great. Yeah. You need to know where your funnel is falling down. Uh, I kind of liken it to there's a I think it's the longest day it's it's a World War II movie with every actor you can think of in it and they're going into a canyon and the the commanding officer keeps sending guys into the canyon it's kind of like the beginning of Saving Private Ryan where one soldier will get this far and they'll get killed <laughs> right but the next guy behind him can run in and get a little bit farther 
And so it was progressive analysis here and a little bit of work you can get where you need to go to your objective. And I, and I liken funnel analysis to, to that. It's like sending your little soldiers into the canyon and they're gonna get shot. The funnel is going to fall down at some point, right, in the conversion process. But knowing where that is, now I can intensely begin to work on that and, and test my way out of it. As opposed Absolutely. to just, well, we made the product really great. Why aren't people buying or why aren't people sticking? Yeah, and then, and then you just, don't know things. It's, it's super hard to ask questions where it's like, you know, right. okay, so we did this thing. Are we any better off? Well, we seem to have a few new users, but we, we were going to have a few new users anyway, right? Like we, we definitely have people signing up, but did, did the thing we do make a tangible change? Mm -hmm. And if so, what was it? And particularly when the numbers go in counterintuitive directions. So uh, for the last four or five weeks, my conversion from uh, people taking a trial to people paying the first month has been trending downwards. Um, and I was sat there, I was looking at this this morning. In fact, I was like, that's not good. Why is that happening? Um, and it turns out that's when we stuck the, because we've been getting a load of people uh, before that point, there was no cancel button in the app. You had to email support. So basically a load of people got to day 14, sent the email to us. By that point, we charged their first month. And then we were basically charging them and giving the money straight back to them. Mm -hmm. And so I could, by introducing that button, we'd converted a load of refunds into a load of cancels. I'm no better or worse off, but that, that, that number change told me something was right. different. In right. this case, it was in a good way, and we're able to zero <laughs> in on it. But sometimes it, it's just not obvious what's going on, and seeing the numbers go in one direction or the other like prompts you to go and look for it. Uh, right. In this case, like it was something we'd actively done, that's great, but that could easily have been something we'd messed up and just not realized. But mm -hmm. having those numbers change would let us go and, go and attack it. Right. Yeah. Measuring and focus. I, I'm reminded of your story of, uh, okay, why did this happen? Right. And it turned out to be because I shifted this from here to here of, uh, of the story in World War One, uh, initially, especially the German army, they were issued with cloth caps for use on their heads. And at some point, the metal helmet got introduced. And of course, there's a lot of shelling and machine gun fire and splinters and things like that. And the powers that be were measuring the statistics, saw suddenly head injuries skyrocketed. And they were like, why is this happening, <laughs> right? We're, we've given them metal helmets, things should be better, right? And so after a little bit of digging, they discovered and they had kind of a little giggle about it like you did, oh, it's because before the introduction of the metal helmets, these soldiers were getting killed. <laughs> so they would have been measured as deaths. Now the helmet is letting them live, and so they're getting measured as injuries. I guess that's better. That is good. That, that, that's <laughs> absolutely better. It's the, it's the same as the planes that came back, and some, some bright spark engineer figured out you want to put more armor around the places that the planes didn't get shot. Because the, it, the areas in which you didn't, don't see the shooting, they're the ones that made the plane crash and burn and die. Right. But the, the bullet holes you see, they obviously live through, so you don't need more armor there. Right. It's like ha have the data and then like learn, learn to explain it. That, mm -hmm. That's been my number, way, number one takeaway of just this whole game, the last two and a half years of my life. I'm going to uh, add that plane story into my repertoire. That's <laughs> a good it, one. It's good. It, it, it's so not mine. I've stolen it from <laughs> someone. <laughs> so tell us about Convertry then. Who is it for? Tell us a little bit about what it does. Cool. So we have uh, two, two primary customers. 
uh, we have a lot of people who are like small, well, we call them SMBs, like small, medium businesses, but let, let's be clear, we are not up the medium business end of this market. Like our typical user is a one-man band, maybe like kind of five employees most, typically selling, typically selling digital products, maybe selling like e-commerce stuff, or they're an agency providing funnel services to such people. There are sort of two, two categories, but it's, it's always people that want to do lead gen, people that want to sell products, or people that run services for people that do that. And then it's our job to, we, we tread a, it's a fine line balance. So it's our job to make that as quick and easy to do as possible. But particularly with our page editor, we trade off like it's not quite as fast to get a page going, but you have way more control over it. So basically all the people that come to us are just dissatisfied that they couldn't get the pages to, to work the way they wanted to. It kind of, you have to use one of our competitors. It's like, it looks like this. It has this blocky layout. It has whatever. Whereas with Convertry, it's completely free form. You drag it around. If your logo is on the top right and you want it on the top left, you just drag it across the screen. That, that's it. You hit the publish button. There's no sort of, there's no additional rows and columns and swapping it to a different cell and stuff like that, which is just, um, it's not for everyone, uh, but certainly for like a lot of people, like the kind of people that want that much more control over it. They absolutely mm -hmm. adore it. Okay. So marketers really want the web page to look the way they have it envisioned in their mind. Absolutely, because uh, I think there's there's a certain level of like faith in marketing where maybe that change does or doesn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. But one, you want to be able to test it. You want to be able to know. And two, even if you don't really think it's going to make a difference, if it makes a difference to you and it get like you're just excited about the page versus mm -hmm. not excited about the page, that's just such a big difference with how you approach everything else. When, you, when you've made something that's kind of like what you wanted, you kind of like work on it. But when you're like, that, that is what I wanted. Like, you know, I didn't want it just, you know, a bit further over there because that's the closest I could get it. I wanted it in that spot. And when you have that feeling of I, I built the page that was in my head, that's, that's really powerful and motivating to people. Okay. Yeah, a, a little bit more founder fuel. <laughs> awesome. Okay, for people who are listening and not watching, could you spell out the website or where they can go? Yeah, certainly. So we're at www.convertry.com, which is C-O-N-B-E-R-T-R-I.com. Convertri.com. And biggest takeaway for your listeners, don't register a domain like that. Get something that you don't have to spell out for people. I know it's hard these days, but I truly, truly regret the name. Like it's stuck and people love it. And once people like know what it is, it's great. But just... It's just terrible. In fact, I, one of my first jobs um, out of uni, um, I worked for a company called Inferens mm. and I sat next to the girl who did like outreach telemarketing and I list her every day having to spell that name out. I swore I would never do the same thing. And then sure enough, my company I have um, and everyone's like, Con convert what? Convert tree? They always think it's like convert tree, like T-R-E-E. -E. Um, and so I truly regret the name. <laughs> Oh, well. well, it's selling, so. It absolutely is. People <laughs> love a lot of good things with it. All right. Our guest today has been Andrew Fletcher. Thanks for joining us, Andy, and sharing your stories of scaling. Cheers. Thank you very much, Jason. You have a good day.